and welcome to another UbuWeb Poetry Foundation podcast, all avant-garde all the time. I'm Kenneth Goldsmith, and today we begin the first of two podcasts that feature the women of UbuWeb. Why, you may ask, the women of UbuWeb? Because if you'll recall last time during the regional series, we got to France, and in the entire history of French artists on UbuWeb, there was only one woman. We'd like to show that, in fact, there are dozens and dozens of great women artists on UbuWeb. So let's get started. We'll begin with Kathy Acker. I want to tell you about my childhood. Nothing will prevent me, neither close attention nor the desire to be exact, from writing and speaking words that sing. This is the lead-off track from a CD that was produced by Hal Wilner after her death in 2000. The track is called President Bush, and the album is called Redoing Childhood. My childhood began with President Bush. Precisely. This childhood began on the day when Bush started carefully to write down the instructions which were to be carried out on the day of his funeral. He did this because he knew that people like him do not die. But it's from a series of spoken word and poetry pieces that Wilner put together with music. Other artists in the series included William S. Burroughs, Allen Ginsberg, Bob Holman, and Lenny Bruce. I, the everlasting, everblasting president in all other names, according to my discretionary powers as president, declare that on the day of my death... The uh, pieces from this CD are excerpted from Kathy Acker's book, My Mother, Demonology. Declare that my head be cut off. Background music ranges from chanting monks to the San Francisco hardcore band Tribe 8. Human bones will hang all around the dead ones. Wilner originally recorded Acker's contribution in 1993, and the whole record focuses around the first President Bush and... A lot of the uh, tracks deal with the war and the conservative times, but somehow Acker ends up reading uh, not a joyous coming into the Clinton era, but she reads the Clinton era through the president that preceded him, and there's a lot of anxiety in this record. I want to describe the beginning of this world, this world of Bush, where for us there is no language. I wish I were single again. I wish I were single a guy. Aga elga nice that he wissy win. Aga elga nice that he wissy we. Wish I were single again. I wish I were single all. This is a great piece by Beth Anderson. A sound poem based around the riff, I wish I was single again. I wish I were single. That she submits to anagrammatic operations and basically chants and sings anagrams of uh, these six words. 
er a single guy, and we is she were see, say rule I sween, he are a good nice array. Beth Anderson is from Kentucky, but then moved out to the Bay Area, and she's a very well-known new music composer. She studied with John Cage, Terry Riley, Robert Ashley, and Larry Austin at Mills College. But all the while, she did these beautiful sound poetry pieces. Again, is I win, I yag, I ain, I in, Ethics is the aesthetics of the few. From 1977, a beautiful piece by Laurie Anderson. It's called Two Songs for Tape Bow Violin. Ethics is the aesthetics of the few. Ethics is the aesthetics of the future, F-E-W-T-U-R-E, and then in parentheses the word Lenin, and then song for Juanita, both from 1977. Last summer, I spent a couple of weeks in a Buddhist monastery. No one was allowed to talk, or to read, or to write. It was very quiet there. This was uh, released on a very small artist record label called Airwaves. And it features a uh, Laurie Anderson tape invention that she used called the Tape Bow. She created this in 1977. It uh, uses recorded magnetic tape samples on the bow instead of horsehair. And she plays it with a magnetic tape head in the bridge. Juanita! Unlike regular tape recorders that just roll through at a consistent speed, she could draw her arm back and change the pitch and the intonation and the speed of the voice. So, in a sense, she's playing the voice. Now, one. Now, pair. One. Sun. Now, pair. One. The first piece is The Ethics is the Aesthetics of the Future is a very straightforward sound poetry piece, but the second piece that's really part of these two songs is a narrative story about a woman named Juanita. Juanita, what do you know? Juanita, what do you know? Juanita. And it's about a mishearing of her voice. She mishears the word for ego, Anita, in Sanskrit, so the tape bow becomes a uh, way of mishearing and misunderstanding language. Now one, son. Now one, your son. Now one, your father. Now one, your son. Now Juanita. Along the journey of our life, halfway, I found myself again in a dark wood wherein the straight road no longer lay. Dale, 1996. At the midpoint in the journey of our life, I found myself astray in a dark wood, for the straight path had vanished. Kreef and Hollander, 1989. This is a beautiful piece by Caroline Birdfall, the, the contemporary British poet, recorded in 2004, and it's simply called Via. And what she did was she went to the British Library and she found 55 translations of Dante's Inferno. Halfway along the road we have to go, 
I found myself obscured in a great forest, bewildered, and I knew I had lost the way. Sisson. 1981. And she just simply reads one version after another uh, of the very famous first verse of that book. And it's just so beautiful how various translators have interpreted this sentence. Halfway on our life's journey, in a wood, from the right path I found myself astray. Parsons, 1893. Bergvall's collation is in itself a sort of uh, act of transcription. It's also an act of cataloging, and uh, by doing very little, she forces the text to reveal themselves in ways that would be impossible through a more dry and academic or close reading of these texts. By doing nothing, really, she's doing more. When I had journeyed half of our life's way, I found myself within a shadowed forest, for I had lost a path that does not stray. Mandelbaum, 1980. unmistakable work of Meredith Monk, recorded in July of 1982 at the New Music Festival in Chicago. It's an excerpt from a piece of hers that was then brand new, entitled Turtle Dreams. It's a collage-style work that juxtaposes minimalist movement, strange uh, dancing, and Meredith Monk vocal work. It juxtaposes all of this with a live turtle walking through various terrains. You see the turtle in the final film uh, roaming through giant constructed sets, the moon's surface. You see the turtle walking down a city block. You see these odd scale shifts that make the turtle seem absolutely enormous. And meanwhile, the performers are performing in the turtle's midst and close-ups of the performer's Hands and bodies appear in juxtaposition with this turtle, the universal symbol of the world. The next cut we're going to hear is a uh, great piece from the post-punk no-wave musician turned spoken word artist Lydia Lunch. Recorded in 1984, it's called What It Is. Jesus Christ. What the hell is that? I don't know. It's horrible, isn't it? It's making me feel sick. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. Well... Why don't you do something about it? Why don't you get it out of here? Isn't there any way you can get rid of it? I'm gonna touch it. Lydia Lunch emerges in the Lower East Side in the mid-70s and becomes the lead singer for Teenage Jesus and the Jerks and emerges about this time in the mid-80s as a spoken word artist. Her influences are, almost predictably, Henry Miller, 
Hubert Selby Jr., Jean Genet. Wait, wait, where do you want me to put it? And she embraces a uh, different strain of feminism. I don't know, I don't care. Just put it out the door or something. Just get rid of it. A great quote from her on Perfect Sound Forever. She says, I'm pro-sex, pro-pornography, pro-NRA. That divides me from a lot of so-called feminists who I've already debated as well as other forms of censor. We need more equality across the board. I think feminism certainly is not an outdated idea. I consider myself a femi-Nazi because in a lot of conspiracy of women's speeches, I'm making a sarcastic proposal. Yeah, I'm beginning to grow attached to it. It, 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 It's Once you get used to the smell, it's... The histories of the universe lie in the sleeping sex of a woman. Now, back in Egypt, the Egyptian Book of the Dead was written because they got these, like, women that were, like, you know, that were before the time after 1852. So, like, they got these women and they put them in these, like, tomb shapes, like mummy shapes, only they didn't mummyize them. This is Patty Smith, recorded at St. Mark's Church in New York City on the annual New Year's Day marathons. This was from January 1st, 1975. Yeah, first they knock them out with a sledgehammer. A beautiful and long piece running almost eight minutes called The Histories of the Universe. Maybe throw a little murk in, anything they could get in there. This appeared finally on a uh, John Giorno Poetry Systems record called Big Ego in the uh, late 70s. Deeper in her pores, into her veins, and you know how like the filaments are inside a light bulb when you turn it on. And it's a beautiful and it's improvisation. It begins with a historical incident, and then telescopes inward, right to the heart of the writing process. And it is girl crazy. It's a poem about a fantasy of being sexually fluid. And yet, she is pro-feminist. She says, then but girls, I mean, it's just an extra thing we got. You know, you just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And what she says next is fantastic because she starts to move into writing and she says... And it's really great if you're next to a typewriter because, like, you start first... The first one you're doing and you can't, you can't quite write it yet, but you got the plot. And then you take a... You wait and you only go so far and you, you mustn't pee your pants. Then you keep going, you keep going, and then it's time to lay down on the couch and get out Trokey and anybody else who might be around. And you open up to page 100 on Violette Leduc's bitch paperback. Then you just keep, like, getting your fingers going like graphite until it's like a paintbrush and it's making a scene. About halfway through the piece, she breaks out into song, and the place goes absolutely mad. In this big step, I am taking seven seizures for the true. It's a great uh, moment for Patti Smith, and it really catches Smith before she's become a rock star, but she's still a poet. Be free of all deception. Be safe from bodily harm. Love without exception. Be a saint in any form. Thank you. A very old poem of mine about a modern werewolf. 
but I dare say the same sort of lady is still around. Apartment on Twin Peaks. I rented my apartment with a chronicle wanted. <laughs> Recorded the same day as the Patti Smith piece at the same place. It must have been an amazing session. St. Mark's Church, New York City, January 1st, 1975. This appears on a uh, later Giorno Poetry Systems record. This is Helen Adams and Cheerless Junkie song. Ha, 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 they little know. They wouldn't believe it if I told them so. Few realize what me luck behind. The lifted slack. She's 64 years old at this point. She died in 1993 in New York City, and she worked in the ballad form, sort of supernatural ballads which tell of fatal romances and darkly sadistic sexual affairs, jealous lovers, vengeful demons. New Year's Eve and the moon like a flame From as far as Fresno my girlfriends came I knew my party simply could not miss Though I served my husband as the principal dish And uh, she made these incredible visual collages too And she called these collages uh, the product of lethal women She considered herself to be a lethal woman It was only the gnashing of our teeth of steel That gave any flavor to that tasteless meal Kristen Prevalet, that put together an anthology of her work recently says, as with other female artists of the 20th century, such as Claude Calhoun and Maya Deren, Helen Adam represents a gender that is neither male nor female. She theatricalizes femininity to such an extreme that the designation woman no longer applies. For the apartment his blood was spent, and now I have the apartment to rent. And I rented it with a chronicle wanted. If his ghost goes with it, let the chronicle take the consequences. <laughs> the disasters numb within us, caught in the chest, rolling in the brain like pebbles. The feeling resembles lumps of raw dough weighing down a child's stomach on baking day. And the sounds of a British-born American poet, Denise Levertov, who was born in 1923 and died in 1997. What we're listening to here is Life at War. It was recorded for WNET-TV and a show that they did called Poetry USA in 1966. The same war continues. We have breathed the grits of it in all our lives. Our lungs are pocked with it. The mucous membrane of our dreams coated with it. The imagination filmed over with the gray filth of it. Both politics and war are major themes in Levertov's poetry. Uh, She felt it was part of a poet's calling to point out the injustice of the Vietnam War. Burn human flesh is smelling in Vietnam as I write. She was uh, like Allen Ginsberg, all over the anti-war scene, participating in rallies, even reading some poetry at them. And there's a famous correspondence exchange between Robert Duncan and Denise Levertov about war. They both opposed war, but Levertov, of course, was an activist and tried to write this sort of poetry that would support her activism. 
Duncan argued instead that such a use of poetry as activism became a kind of propaganda that participated within the discourse of war. He famously stated, the poet's role is not to oppose evil, but to imagine it. Nothing we do has the quickness, the sureness, the deep intelligence living at peace would have. Laura and Vicky. Inside the White House lives the President of the United States, and the First Lady lives with him. It makes me think about history. Amazing that anyone could, would want to live in there, especially to live with a guy who lives in there, to live with with some children, too. Speaking of politics, this is a piece from 1980 by the uh, Boston-born but New York identified poet Eileen Miles. It's called Lorna and Vicky. I was riding down Fifth Avenue yesterday, and the jostling vehicle started getting me off. And I started pressing my finger against the seam of my jeans between my legs. It got even better. But then I thought, oh, Eileen, let nature take its course. It's a poem like so many of Eileen's poems about everyday sexual experiences, coming of age during the sexual revolutions of the 60s and 70s. Masturbation will always be my favorite form of sex, though if I was a tree, I'd just stand there in the breeze. She's become a New York institution. She arrived here in New York in 1974. Of course, she gave her first reading at CBGB's, and the legends continue. She attended workshops at St. Mark's Poetry Project. She ended up running the place. She was an assistant to poet James Schuyler. She hung out with Allen Ginsberg at the New Yorkian Poets Cafe. And generally, as she puts it, she lived punkly on the streets as part of the poetry and queer art scene that animated Manhattan's East Village in the 1980s and into the 90s. In 1992, she conducted an openly female write-in campaign for president of the United States, which, of course, very sadly, she didn't win. I would love to live in an America where Eileen Miles is the president. You will never guess what instrument we're listening to. It is balloons. All balloons. Judy Dunaway. This is called Surabaya from Surabaya Johnny from uh, Kurt Weill's play Happy End, written in 1929. She is an absolutely incredible performer. She's an improvisational avant-garde composer. She's a free improviser. She's a conceptual sound artist. She creates sound installations, and her only instrument are latex balloons. She blows them up. She pops them. What we're listening to here is she's using them as a reed instrument, stretching the uh, rubber to get different sounds. She's a master at the balloon. Mm -hmm. Her uh, great things that she does is she uh, takes a balloon and she uses it as a percussive instrument by putting 
water on her hands and rubbing the balloon. She also builds crazy sampler keyboards so that she can capture the sounds of the balloon and build incredibly complex instrumentation. She has these enormous balloon orchestras. She has created, since 1990, over 30 works for balloons as sound conduits, and she has become famous as the balloon improviser. Judy Dunaway is a huge feature of her work on Ubuwab. that wraps up part one of the two-part podcast, The Women of UbuWeb. All of these women and many more can be found at UbuWeb at ubu.com. I'm Kenneth Goldsmith, and this has been Avant-Garde All the Time, produced by the Poetry Foundation. Poetry Foundation.